If you have your Bibles with you, can you please turn to 1 John, the letter of 1 John, and we are going for chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. passage that many of us are familiar with when it says this do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but is from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray. As has already been prayed this morning, Lord, your word is truth and life to us. Though there are things in your word that we struggle to understand, we know, Lord, that everything in there has a purpose. And this morning, Lord, I just pray that your word speaks into our very hearts as we try to do our best to learn your word and to live as you need us and want us to live during this time on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Christmas is behind us. I'm sure there might be some booze out there. I know it might be from Sky. I like Christmas. Um, and 2022 is before us. We're saying in the car on the way down here, does it sound very futuristic? 2022. Well, it does to me, anyway. And I wonder, what sort of year is this going to be? What sort of year is this going to be for us individually? What sort of year is this going to be for us as a church family? The first Sunday message in the year is always an interesting one. It lays the foundations down for the year ahead. It sets some benchmarks for us all and gives us a focus to challenge on. Last year, well, does anyone remember, here's a real test for you, does anyone remember what I spoke on the first Sunday of last year? Oh, there's a bold, there's a bold ask, isn't there? No, I didn't think anybody would. Cause and effect. I spoke on cause and effect, the cause and effect being a partnership where an event causes something to happen. The cause is why it happened and the effect is what happened. To, give, to make it a little bit more simply, the reason that many of us maybe, me definitely, have put on weight this Christmas is because I've eaten too much and haven't done enough exercise. Okay, so the effect of putting on weight is caused by my overeating and my lack of exercise. That makes sense? Great, there you go. There's a confession to you all. Then this led us to explore the cause of sin in our lives and some of the effects that it can have if not dealt with. Some of those effects being uh, critical and judgment attitudes to others, maybe. Our bitterness sometimes to people who have done us wrong. 
or jealousy of what maybe others have, things that we may want, and the ease in which we place worldly activities before our commitment and dedication to the Lord. I don't know if any of this is starting to ring some bells to what we spoke on. But today I want to expand on this cause and effect idea by using an idiom. An idiom that I pray will carry, or we will all carry with us into 2022 as a reminder for us to continually challenge ourselves. And this idiom that I'm referring to is the phrase, break the mould. Break the mould. I really want us to get that and I want it to be on our, the back of our minds throughout the whole of this year. Break the mould. This is an interesting phrase, as I'm sure you will agree. Break the mould. I'm not sure how many of you may have come across it. Some of you may have done. But what does it mean? What does it mean to break the mould? Well, to break the mould is to bring to an end a pattern of events or a behaviour by doing something differently. I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions here. Because let's be honest, they don't very often work. But breaking the mould is a journey. It's a, it is something that we have to commit into for the rest of our lives. As an example, it can often be used when someone in a family is, say, the first to go to university. So Kelly, within her family line, she was the first to go to university. That broke the mould. No one had done it before. So there was a mould broken there. It can be used, say, when someone quits smoking. They've smoked for 40 odd years, and then they've stopped, maybe for a New Year's resolution, who knows. But they've stopped. They've broken that mould of something that has been part of their life for such a long time. Or, and this doesn't, uh, unfortunately, I can't claim this one, or if you've had your hair cut a certain way for so many years, and then you change your style to something radical, I don't know, bright multicoloured pointy bits, I don't know. You've broken the mould of what you've always been doing for many, many, many years. Get the idea. You have actively changed a pattern of life, an event, or an act, resulting in the mould being broken and a new one being established. So, does, um, tell you a quick story about a mould that I broke. Well, actually, it was Kelly who helped me to break this mould. There we were, sitting in a pub, okay? This is many years ago, actually, probably going back 15, 18 years ago. Sitting in a pub called Tinya Coed, up on the A5, between Betsy Coed and Kapil Keering, if anyone knows Snowdonia. There we were, sitting in the pub, after spending the day up in the mountains, which is always a great pint well, after the day in the mountains, um, by the fire, and me and Kelly were just enjoying it, had some conversation there. I don't know where the children were, but I don't remember they weren't with us. Um, and Kelly actually helped me to change something that I've always done. Okay, so throughout school, I struggled with dyslexia, and the elders here, those are the elders who are here with us today, 
will quite happily tell you that I cannot spell and my grammar is awful. Thank you to John and Steve and everybody for, for correcting a lot of my emails and things before they go out, because I'm just awful at it, all right? But throughout school, I always, always used to write block capitals. Never, ever wrote lowercase. I never, ever wrote joined up. Just didn't understand it, couldn't get it. I don't know how much was that was the teachers may not necessarily have I don't know, I don't know. But all I remember throughout school, I just wrote block capitals and that was it. Anyway, this came up in conversation in the pub and I was saying to Kevin, you know, it really bugs me because obviously I was in the working world by this point and people would often make comments about me writing block capitals, you know. And I said, this is really starting to bug me. So Kelly, obviously being this, uh, an English teacher, she, she, she got a pen and she grabbed some beer mats right, off the table, and we sat there for a lot for about two hours, didn't we? And Kelly was, was teaching me and getting me to write lowercase and basic joined up on the back of beer mats. Well, by the end of it, I'd got the basics of how to do it. And that started a journey of me of practising, practising, practising to the point now where I, I write joined up lowercase. So for me, that was a moment of breaking the mould. Something I'd always done, I'd managed to stop and change. Off a, off a, a fond memory I have, dear. <laughs> so today I want to challenge us, all at the beginning of this new year, the beginning of 2020, to look inside and ask what, what inside me needs to change. What is holding me back from taking the next step of this journey of sanctification that all Christians are on. This next step of becoming holy as Christ is holy. What is, the, what is holding us back from being that bit closer in our relationship to God? What moulds are in our lives that we need to break? This same challenge applies and can apply to us as a church. What moulds do we need to break at welcome? What habits or what traditions do we need to change in order for us to move forward into all the Lord needs us to move forward in, to be effective here as a body in Whitney? I would suggest to you that the root of the Apostle John's challenge to not love the world in our passage today is a wake-up call to us all to break some habits. Break some moulds. There you go, I even got my, my own words mixed up there. Whether we like to admit it or not, or we even realise it or not, we are more worldly than we think. We are all more worldly than we think and we like the things of the world more than we should. I won't ask anyone to see if they agree with that. I think if we were all honest with ourselves, it would ring true. And unless we break 
the mould in some of these areas, it will hold us back from being all the Lord needs and wants us to be. These moulds will be like a chain and a ball around our ankles. John opens our passage, our primary passage today by saying this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. On the surface level, this statement from John is quite self-explanatory, but there is nothing easy about what he is asking his readers to do. Firstly, is John telling us to not love the created world that God himself formed? Is that what he's asking us? Well, didn't God look at all he had created and say it's, uh, he was well pleased? Did he not say that? Yes, he did, but John is not referring to the world, the cosmos, the ordered creation that God put together. But he's talking about the world's systems that man have created post-fall. Systems often opposed to God. So what does, what does he mean in this, in, this, in this situation to not love the world? Well, I would suggest to you that the world is the society around us and the systems that the society has created, the ways in which people live, the things in which people do and enjoy, and the lifestyles they lead and strive to lead. And the things of the world are those objects and activities that the culture around us places a lot of emphasis on. Money, possessions, Sport, music, food, drink, titles, positions, power, etc., etc. John says, don't get caught up in loving these things. And it makes perfect sense when we remember that the love John is speaking to is this agape love. We speak about this so often, this agape love. A love that is an act of faithfulness. It's a commitment, an act of will, a choice. John is not saying that you can't take part in any of these activities. He's not saying you can't take part in them. He's not saying you can't receive money, you can't have uh, possessions or titles, etc., etc. It's part of our culture, the society that we live in. We need money to buy food, do we not? We need money to buy clothes. We may enjoy sports, music, etc. And we do them to relax. That's okay. We may have a title. We may be in a position of power in our jobs. That's okay. And let's be honest. Don't we need to be, as Christians, intertwined in uh, ourselves, in society around us, where the people are in order to be witnesses and to be able to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Of course we do. We have to be part of society. 
but he is making the specific point of being careful not to love society and the things society does and what it produces. To not put your faith in these things, selfishly commit to these things and to not place any of them, any of them, before God, as we saw with our heart on the board here. I love how that linked. We haven't talked about that, but just how God works, isn't it? Our agape love should be reserved for our dedication and devotion to God first, always first, and then the people around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, our families, those who don't know the Lord, those on the margin of societies, those who are in pain, who are suffering, who are in need. Our love should be a constant sacrificial desire to worship our God with a life of service and a dedication to his mission on the earth. Should be a life of fulfilment faithfulness to God and all he wants of us, a life of commitment to him, a daily act of surrender to him. But far too often, <coughs> far too often we allow ourselves to be caught up in loving the world, committing to the world, And we put too much love sometimes into the things of the world, thus creating this push and pull scenario. This war, if you like, this tug of war between God and us, our feet often being in two camps, one in the world and one, one with a desire to be closer to God and all that entails, but the other one saying, but actually I love, I love all of these things and I don't want to let them go. I'm sure you can remember some stories in the Gospels of a particular man who couldn't let things go when Jesus asked him to. We can be so similar to that. Very easy for us to read the stories and not place ourselves in the situation. The result of this quite often is that it can, when we've got feet in two, uh, two, two camps, the world and our journey with the Lord, it can result quite often in us becoming stagnant. We don't move anywhere. We, we're in this continuous battle with ourselves, with the world and with God. We don't, we don't move forward into that deeper relationship as he wants and needs and expects us to do on, whilst we're on this journey throughout our lives. This passage is not unique in its warnings. James says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Paul says in his letter in the Roman, uh, to Romans, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
then you will be able to test and approve what is God's got what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. We then get a glimpse uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy of a follower of Jesus um, who fell into the trap of loving the world and the consequence. We read, and this is Paul speaking here, do your best to come to me quickly, he says. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. It's all well and good, us being told what not to do, but when we get little snippets, little examples in Scripture of someone who dedicated their life to Jesus' word and to Paul as their disciple, but is so caught up in the world that they've deserted Paul to get back, go back into the world. Such a shame, isn't it? Agape love originates from God. He is love. John explains this later in his letter. For believers, there is a reciprocating, loving relationship between us and God. There should be anyway. God loves us enough to send his son to die on the cross. He cares for us, provides for us. He even provides an eternal home for us, praise God. And in return, our love for him should be absolute. And our dedication to him first in all that we do should be absolute. <coughs> there is no room in this relationship for selfishly living, selfishly loving, sorry, anyone or anything else before God. Remember, he's a jealous God. Excuse me while I have a drink. <clears throat> so he then goes on, and he says this, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Okay, time for us to be a little bit honest with ourselves. I'm going to give us some scenarios. Let's see if you can relate to any. I want a better car, a house, clothes, just like such and such has. I don't want to do that job, so I'll get someone else to do it. I desire that good-looking man or woman that I've just seen or who I work with. I won't be told what to do. I am my own person. I want, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Now, I'm going to ask you boldly, who can relate to any of those things? I know I can. Absolutely I can. Thank you for your honesty. Okay, what about these? I don't like that style of worship music. Why, why, why are you laughing? I don't like that <coughs> style of worship music. I want the church service to be done in a certain way, the way I like it. I don't want to serve, I haven't got time. 
I won't give an offering to the work of the church. I want to use it to buy myself something that I've always wanted. I don't like Craig's preaching. I prefer one of the other elders. <laughs> Excluding the last one, I hope. <laughs> Who can relate to any of those? Be honest, come on. Absolutely, I know I can. There were less hands on that one. What word is the common denominator in all of those scenarios that I've just said? I. I. I is the common. When I is used in a selfish, inward, me capacity, it is the outward manifestation of a heart that is prideful of life and in love with the selfish systems of this world. When I is used in a selfish, inward, me capacity, it is the outward manifestation of a heart that is, a pri that is prideful of life and in love with the selfish systems of the world. I want, I won't, I desire, I will not. Remember the cause and effect, it's pride and selfish desire. That's an effect of the fall. <clears throat> it's an effect of the fall. God didn't call, God, didn't God, get my words in the right order here, didn't God cause the Son of Man, Jesus, to come into the world, to save slaves to the world? And wasn't some of the effects of Jesus' death and resurrection to break the mould of sin on the people of the earth, to provide a release from the captivity of pride and of selfish desires? That was just some of the things that his coming did. So remember, John says, these things are not from God. They are not from God but they are the effect of mankind's corruption. It's not God's desire for us to live this way. And it's only, only through Jesus that we can live free from these effects, but only if we want to. Only if we want to. It's a choice. Jesus' death and resurrection didn't eradicate, destroy pride and selfishness from the earth. It's still here. It's still around us. It can very much still be in us. Jesus' sacrifice paid the penalty of sin and provided a means to live differently in the world, free from the effects of the world around us via the hope and help of the Holy Spirit. But again, only if we choose to. We can still be caught up in all of those bad things in the world, even if we're Christians. Can you imagine the effect we could have on our lives, our families, uh, our friends' lives and the lives of those who we come into contact with if we replaced our selfish, I want, I need, I must have, I won't, 
and replaced it with a selfless I will. With a sacrificial I can. Or a surrendered here I am Lord, use me. Oh, how the world would look different. How we would look different. <clears throat> and how the light of Christ would shine through us. John closes this passage in verse 17 by saying, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We must be very careful every day to ensure that our focus, our goals and our desires line up with God. We must be a self-analysing people, a fluid people that can adapt and change and a people who mustn't hold on to the things of the world too tightly. <clears throat> Why is this? Well, the truth is because even as Christians, it is far too easy to be slaves to the world and the things in the world. Of course, we are free from the penalty of sin. Praise God. Praise God for that. But that doesn't mean that we are free from the grip of the world around us. I think we forget that sometimes. Okay, so we briefly looked at the plea of John and others in Scripture who challenge us to, to be different to the world, to love God first, then put people, um, love people as we would love, as we want God to love us. But he also says and challenges us to not love the systems of the world or the things produced by the world. So the question that we must ask ourselves now is how do we move forward into this year, into 2022? How do we find the moulds that we need to break and establish new ones? Are we, all, are we all still with me? Amazing, amazing, good. It is simply this. You need to sit yourself down, cup of tea, whatever it might be, cheeky jammy dodger, sit yourself down, okay? Look at everything you do, everything you're part of, everything that consumes your world, your work, your clubs, your hobbies, your entertainment, whatever that may be, your friends, family, your church life, etc., 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 and ask these simple questions. Am I placing any of these things, anything within these areas, or my own wants and desires higher than my devotion and commitment to God, the life he expects me to live, and what he has called me to do? Am I placing any of these things, anything within these areas, or my own wants, my own desires, higher 
then my devotion and commitment to God, the life he expects me to live, and what he has called me to do, whatever that may be. If, on exploring these questions, you find the answer is yes to any of those aspects of your life, then you need to go on a journey. It begins with prayer. It begins with asking the Lord through the help of the Holy Spirit to help you break those moulds. Remember, a lot of the time, coming to the realisation that the mould needs to be broken is half the battle. It's when we live in denial. That's when it becomes hard work. So we pray. We seek God for the help of the Holy Spirit to help us with this. We look to those around us who we trust, fellow Christians. We be honest with them and say, listen, this, this, is, this is becoming a God in my life. Because remember, anything you put above your dedication to God becomes God to you. Becomes your God. Say to people around you, listen, I, I'm recognising that this is, this is consuming me, this is becoming God in my life. Can you, can you walk this journey with me? It's what we should be doing as a, as, as a family, a body. And then you set that as a goal this year to break and to re-establish a new mould. As we come toward the end of this, I want to just give out a couple of examples maybe, just to get us thinking. And this will look different for every person. And the examples I use here may not be your challenge. They could be something different to you. But just to help us to think along this process is the first one. Is my striving, so I sit myself down, I've got my cup of tea and my jammy dodger and ask myself this question. Is my striving for the next pay grade or position putting so much pressure on me that I'm working too many hours, creating too much stress in my life, not spending enough time with family and my time with God feels more like a bolt-on, even thinking about work when I'm praying reading the word or spending time with him. I know that because this was me once. Has, or had the position, my position, my job, my desire to progress become a God in my life? For me, the answer was yes. Absolutely it was. I thought I was doing the wonderful thing of you know, listening to God in the car or, sorry, listening to something in the car or going to church on a Sunday morning. But it was a bolt-on. Does that ring true to any of you today? I don't know. That's between you and God. But if it does ring true, you need to break the mould. And that will look different to all of you. It might be that you've got to be radical. It might be that actually you don't need to earn that 100 grand packet a year, whatever it might be. Because actually the effects of your life, the mental health, the physical health, is deteriorating so much because of the stress of it all, and it's affecting everyone around you, that actually reducing that by coming down a, a position, or even, which is something that me and Kelly explore, actually Kelly did do years ago, moved to three days a week, 
as long as it's sustainable and you can live, to free up time for people and for God to say, here I am, Lord, use me. I don't know. It looked different to everybody. It might be that you just have to adapt the way you work in order to sustain that. I don't know. It's up to you. But if that rings true and God is more of a bolt-on to you, break the mould. This is the year for you to do that. And you need to explore how. Here's another one. Am I putting more time, emphasis and passion into my hobbies, activities and social time than I do with, with spending time growing closer to God? Have my hobbies, activities or social time, including sitting on phones, watching TV, playing video games, become God in my life. Again, another one I can relate to. There's nothing here that I'm not challenging you on that I haven't challenged or been through myself, which is why I'm saying it. Is that you? One thing that really fascinates me in churches, okay, really fascinates me. How many of you here have been to see a football match or some sort of sporting event? That's a bit, maybe say, a bit more lively. Cricket, you don't get too excited at cricket. Sorry, Ron, but, you know, it's not. It's more like, you know. But say, let, let, let's, let's use... Sorry, Ron, sorry. I'm going to have to repent and ask for your forgiveness, aren't I? Um, let's use football as an example. Right, how many people have been to a football match? Brilliant, wonderful. How many people have been to, say, a concert, a band they love? Brilliant, lovely. What's been fascinating... What's one of, the, one of the things you walk out and just think, man, the atmosphere there was just incredible, right? Football matches. I used to go and see Charlton play growing up because that's what all my family's family supported Charlton. So, you know, being dragged to South East London to watch Charlton for, you know, play. Um, but one thing that I always remember is the roar of the crowd, the passion of the crowd. The chants, the singing, the hands are in the air, the passion they have for their team. The same in concerts. You go to, I don't know, pop concert, rock concert, whatever it might be. It's the same thing. You've got people, their hands are in their air and they're just, you know, the, the, the passion they have for the songs they're listening to. You come into church. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm not trying to insult anybody. What I'm trying to say is, if Jesus was to appear here today, I can pretty much guarantee you most of us would be flat on our face singing praises to him. Yeah. Wouldn't we? Yeah. So why, why in church is it so often that we come in and we just think that worship is a bolt-on to the message? Or prayer is just a bolt-on to the message? Half the, you know, let's be honest, in a lot of churches, people listen to the message, it's an opportunity to get some, some clothes iron. Right? Again, I'm not saying anything to you that isn't true in many churches around the country and true for many of us in, 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 in our lives. Church isn't a bolt-on. This isn't a bolt-on. Just like our hobbies. 
We put a lot more emphasis sometimes in our hobbies and following our favourite teams and the passion we put into that than we do our walk with the Lord. Have they become gods in your life? If they have and you recognise they are, doesn't mean you've got to stop following them or stop enjoying them, but you've got to get the order right. God's got to come back to the forefront and the time you spend with him. sort of stepped over into my other one here, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Do you walk in here every Sunday expecting and wanting the service to be as you want it to be? Is it the traditions that we have all come from, and we have all come from very different traditions here, okay? And maybe, so the traditions we've come from are maybe a fear of change holding us back from those next step with the Lord as a church? Are our church gatherings, not just Sunday mornings, a bolt-on to our busy lives instead of a stabilising source of our life? I'm going to leave that one there because I don't want chairs being thrown at me. Okay, But please understand, I'm not trying to insult anybody but I'm challenging us. For so many of us, our traditions of how we were brought up in church is is the right way. That's it. Anything else is wrong. But I challenge you, is it? Is it? Can we justify things scripturally if we think they are? Things to think about, things to consider. A church, have our thoughts, our thinking, our wants and our desires to our friends, our family, etc., etc., become the gods in our life. Because I tell you, together, we can break the moulds. But it takes every single one of us at the beginning of this year to sit down, to be honest with ourselves, to look at everything we do and ask ourselves those questions and be willing and ready and prepared to change them, to break the mould, to establish new moulds with the help of God, the Holy Spirit and with us, those sitting left and right to you. God doesn't want us to stop enjoying the things in the world. He's calling us to not love them. To love him. Be in the world, not of the world. I know it's not easy. It's not easy because a lot of the time we enjoy it. And often we don't want to change because we enjoy it. Or too much effort to change, which is something else that we have to break the mould on. Church, God loves every single one of us in this room. He loves every single one of those children up there who are learning about Jesus as well. You are unique. You are special. You are fearfully 
and wonderfully made. That's why he gives us these challenges in his word. It's not to upset us or irritate us or frustrate us. It's to draw us closer to him, to awaken our eyes to the traps of this world. So my plea to you all, as we close, and the band might like to come up, let's together this 2022 make, make this a year of mould breaking, individually and as a church, if we need to, not just for, change, for breaking, breaking sake, but if we need to, Let's disconnect from the areas of our lives that have such a negative hold on us. Let's re-establish Jesus as the centre, the datum of our lives, not just a bolt on to our lives. And let's strive to make the time for God that he deserves and we need. Amen? Amen. Should we pray? Now, Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we say sorry. I say sorry, Lord, for the aspects of my life that I may place before you, that I may love, that I may put too much emphasis on. Lord, I am sorry if I bolt and have bolted you on to the business of my life but and not made you the centre the datum the focal point the foundation and Lord I know everybody in this room will their hearts would have pricked in their own way but Lord every one of us in this room I pray and hope has the desire to draw closer to you To know you deeply and intimately as a loving father wants of their children. So Lord, at the beginning of this year, I present to you us here at the Welcome Church, a people who want to do the right thing, who want to follow your ways, to be an example in this town. And I pray Lord, that as we progress through this year, that you will bring to our heads and our hearts those aspects of our life where we need to break the mould. I pray that you help us, that through your Holy Spirit you guide us and strengthen us, and that you place the right people in our, in our world that can walk that journey with us. Lord, we look to you. And we commit ourselves to you afresh this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, our Lord and our Saviour, who went to the cross for every single one of us, we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.